every September in my own life is a celebration for me of my spiritual life. September 2nd, uh, September uh, 12th, 1976, I uh, received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I gave my life back to Jesus. I was 17 years of age. And then uh, I received an experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about that this Sunday for the next few Sundays. And uh, I want to tell you why. How many know we need the power of God today? More than we ever have in the church, we need the power of God. I want to read a, a, a passage of Scripture that's familiar to all of us. But the Amplified is very piercing when you read this. And it's applicable to the letter in what we're facing today in the culture in America. I'm reading, one of the books I'm reading in my private time is by Erwin uh, Lutzer, who was uh, formerly the pastor of Moody Bible Church, I think for 36 years. He's pastor emeritus there now. He's a wonderful author. If you've never read his books, they're very engaging and piercing, maybe is the good word to use. But his latest book is called The Church in Babylon. And I started reading it while I was on vacation, among other things that I read. One thing that he mentioned was we're already living in Babylon. Of course, if you know anything about the Old Testament, God promised the Israelites a parcel of land, promised it to Abraham and his ancestry. But he said, you're going to go to that land and you're going to prosper and be blessed. But if you fall into idolatry and you leave me and worship false gods, then you'll be removed from your land. That's exactly what the Israelites did. And that's exactly what happened. And for seven years Israel was in Babylonian captivity and they had a really really hard time and in Babylon they couldn't worship God the way they worshiped in Israel and a lot of the freedoms that they enjoyed were not available so they had to learn a new way of walking with God they had to uh, and they were tested in every way and he said today the church is in Babylon we're already living in the land of Babylon, we were a Christian culture. Now we're living in post-Christian America and things are changing rapidly. How many hear what I'm saying? We have to deal with our children. We deal with our grandchildren. You know what it's like in the workforce today if you're a believer. And uh, so uh, I just want to give you an encouragement that there is a power that God wants us to live with called the, called the power of God through the baptism with the Holy Spirit that can make a difference in your everyday life. How many hear what I just said? 2 Timothy chapter 3, first five verses, um, classic amplified, but understand this, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate or greedy desire for wealth proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, um, and inhuman. Where am I? And profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman, relentless, that is, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety or true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. 
their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people, he says, turn away from them. The uh, New Living Translation, uh, verse 5, says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And he says stay away from people like that. And, and so that, how many know that correctly identifies where we're living today in our culture? Yes or no? I don't care where you live on planet earth, that hits right between the eyes, does it not? We also, right on the other hand of that, you know, Charles Dickens in The Tale of Two Cities has a phrase often used, best of times, worst of times. That's where we are today. Uh, we're just before the second coming of Christ. We're just before the rapture of the church. We're in somewhat of a lull, but things are going to begin to speed up rapidly and the prophetic scriptures are going to begin to take a fresh tone as God begins to deal with the nation of Israel again and as the Antichrist manifests in the Middle East. I've taught on these things in depth in the past, but understand we're living in a a prophetic time, a time that the Bible is being fulfilled, a time that God's promises to Israel are being fulfilled. Don't forget that Israel was not a nation for almost 2,000 years. They were not a nation because of disobedience to God. But God promised Israel over and over again through the prophets. He said it over and over and over. Before Messiah returns to the earth, I will bring you back from where you've been scattered from all over the earth. And I will bring you back to the land that I promised Abraham. And I will deal with you as my people. That Y'all, that happened in 1948. And for the first time in almost 2,000 years, Israel gained control of Jerusalem in the Six-Day War in 1967. Some of you weren't even born at that time. But we're living in a prophetic age and a prophetic time. At the same time, God wants to demonstrate himself and manifest himself. So we've got two things happening. Satan, his, his, uh, his ace is the Antichrist, and he's going to seek to control the Middle East He's going to seek to foment a relationship between Israel and their enemies, their Arabian enemies there, uh, all over the Middle East there. And he's uh, going to do some very treacherous things. He's going to seem to be a person of peace. In the end, he'll be a person of war. How much that affects the whole world is yet, uh, we really don't know. What I do know is challenging times are coming. There is a time called, in the Bible, people don't preach on it today. I have, it's called the day of the Lord. And the, the day of the Lord is a period of time, several years, where the, where, the, where the judgment of God and the wrath of God is poured out just before the second coming of Christ, where God judges all of his enemies. You find this written in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and... Uh, In uh, Luke 21, the book of Revelation is about that. And all through the scriptures uh, is the the, uh, the phrase, the day of the Lord, which is is when God really begins to deal with the unbelief of the ages just before his Messiah, before Jesus comes back. How many are excited about Jesus coming back? How many know you don't hear a lot about this today? Do you hear much of this? Do you hear this being preached? Can I ask you why? Why are preachers not preaching on the second coming of Christ? Why are we not excited about heaven? What in the world is going on? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And we, if we ever needed to get ready for something, 
You need to get ready for it now. So there's, there's the promises of Scripture are plenty. Here's the negative side of what's going to be happening in culture. And this is exactly parallel to what was going on in the first century when the church was born. When the church was born, I mean, uh, uh, my goodness, they had uh, madmen that were ruling the Roman Empire and uh, uh, Christians were being burned at the stake. They were being terribly persecuted. Terrible things were happening. It may cost you your life uh, if you say, I love Jesus. Or uh, religion was, uh, was against itself at the time. And the morals of society were at an all-time low. Much like it is in America today. And it's almost like we've come full circle. So the Apostle Paul, as he prayed, God gave him what the world would look like just before Messiah returns. And then Isaiah had something to say. And also Joel had something to say concerning this time. But it's the positive side of it. Isaiah saw it. Isaiah 60, Arise, shine for your light is come. The glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. And that's what we just read about perhaps in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Then he says, But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. He's talking about the power of God coming into the church unto his people. His old covenant people were Israel. His new covenant people are us. How many are longing for the power of God again? And then Joel. Then he went on to say, but the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And what he's saying there in the midst of the negativity, in the midst of the challenges, there's a bright light that will shine, and it will shine through God's people. Now God said the same thing to Joel, the book of Joel. There's a lot of prophetic scriptures about the second coming of Christ in the book of Joel. Speaking of that time, Joel said this is familiar to you. New Living Translation, then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, columns of spoke. And that's, a, that's, a, that's talking about war that will be on planet earth in a large scale before Messiah returns. Then he said the sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord that I just mentioned. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Beginning with this, he said, I will pour out my spirit in the last days on all flesh. According to Peter, we're going to read it in a minute. The last day started with the beginning of the church age in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days after he was raised from the dead, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. I just read through the whole book of John while I was on vacation. It was awesome. And John ended with Jesus did and said so many things that if all of them were written down, the world wouldn't be able to contain all of the books it would take to pen everything he did and everything that he said. So 40 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, he talked to his disciples about the kingdom of God. He talked about his second coming. And then he told them, I want you to get ready for my coming because I'm coming back. And then Jesus was taken from their presence and the angel said to to the disciples that were there on the Mount of Olives at the ascension when Jesus went to heaven. He said, what are you looking at? 
that same Jesus that you just saw go into heaven will come back just the way he left. How many are excited about his coming? So what I want to talk to you today about, what we can do to counteract the age in which we live. And here's what I've been feeling in my heart the last number of weeks that I've been praying. I have felt that God has, is wanting and is begging us to open ourselves up to his spirit and up to his power once again. We need the power of God to counteract the negativity that we face on the job, in the schools, and just in our culture every day. How many hear what I'm saying? And that power comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Before I get into that, uh, let me share just a little bit of my testimony with that. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. My mother's sitting over here to my left, your right, and uh, her and my father were heavily involved in church. My dad was a deacon. Uh, mother, you were a Sunday school teacher for a long time, right? And, uh, but my mother had an experience. Uh, many of you, if you've been here any length of time, have, uh, have heard me share this. I share this at some point every year because it's important. But my mother, February 1975, was in a Baptist ladies' prayer meeting on a Tuesday. And bottom line, those ladies in that prayer meeting, many of them were baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues, and they did not know what happened to them. Now, let me tell you my experience as an outsider looking in. That happened in February 1975. I have two brothers, my, my father... And, of course, my mother, we're living in the home. Mother comes back from that experience, and she's a changed person. You remember those days? I mean, she was changed. She, 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 you know, she had chronic back problems, chronic ailments this and ailment there. But she went from chronically talking about difficulty, hurts, pains, etc., to saying, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, becoming an extremely positive person listening to uh, reading the bible listening to bible things i thought and my, my my dad went to i don't know if you knew this my dad went to my two brothers and i said uh, what's wrong with mama and we said well i don't know they said well she sure has changed i said she sure has uh you know what was in vogue at that time was uh christian fm radio it was fairly new and she had our our, uh, our radio in the home tuned to that just about every day uh, several hours a day, piping Christian music. She never did that kind of stuff. What happened to Mama? Mama received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, she prayed for me. A few months later, I had to have all four of my wisdom teeth removed. It may seem like I have a big mouth, but my mouth is not big enough to hold my wisdom teeth. So the dentist said I had to take, have them removed. So, uh, you know, the day before, now my brother had it done. I don't know why you didn't pray for him. He had it done, and I mean, he swole up like a chickmump couldn't eat for a few days you know and she came over home to me I'll never forget she said Mitch the Lord's laid it on my heart let me pray for you before you have your surgery you'll not swell up and you won't have pain I said, and you know I, <laughs> anyway I was uh, quite sarcastic I said go ahead because I wasn't walking with the Lord at the time she laid her hands on my shoulder and prayed the next day I went and had the surgery and y'all I never swell up and it didn't hurt. I was eating the next day. And, and it, was a, it was a math. I thought, well, it must be something to it. Bottom line was, uh, uh, over a year later, I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit myself. September uh, 12th, 1976 was a Sunday. 
I had a guy visit me from a Bible school called Tabernacle Bible Institute in Florence, South Carolina. And they had a Bible school there. People from other nations attended there, people from all over the East Coast. They had a television ministry. It was quite a, quite a thing going there. And a guy came to where I worked and shared Jesus with me. He had a big cross on his, had a big cross on his uh, hanging from his uh, neck. And uh, his name was Steve. And he shared and he said, you need to come and see what we're doing here. And they had some kind of a field day or whatever, uh, you know, initiation day before their Bible school on September 11th, which was a Saturday. I got off work that day and I went over to that event because he invited me. And I saw all of these guys and all these guys and they were all together. They're playing games. They were eating. They were doing things together. And I heard people saying, I love you, brother. Appreciate your brother. They were hugging each other. I said, what is going on here? Because I didn't see people act that way. Not back then. I said, something's going on. They invited me to church the next day. I went Sunday morning. I still smoke cigarettes. And I'll never forget, I went back that night, and before I went back to church that night, I said, you know what? I don't think I need these cigarettes anymore. I rolled my window down and threw them out. The last time I smoked a cigarette was September 12th, 1976, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I remember. Then I went to church that night, and they had a service, and I'll never forget, I was Baptist. How many appreciate the Baptists? Well, I was Baptist and went into this church. It was a charismatic church. And I went into the church that, that night and walked in again and just kind of stood there with my hands down. But and all I could think about was I lived in the country and we had cornfields all around my house and peep, everybody had their hands up like this. And I was thinking, why do they have their hands up at church? And, uh, and it reminded me of the cornfields around my house because you couldn't see past the corn. And I thought, I can't see past all these hands. What's going on? And the people were praising God. Well, the guy preached. At the end of his message, he said, if you want more of Jesus, come forward. You need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, I'd gotten back into fellowship with Jesus, repented of my sin that afternoon, that evening, 7.20 p.m., September 12th, 1976, my friend was sitting beside me and he said, uh, you hear what he just said? And I said, yeah. He said, you want more of Jesus? I said, well, yeah. He said, go up there. He said, okay. And so I went down front and a whole line of people was at the altar. And the pastor said, you need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And he talked about it for just a few minutes. And then he went one by one and laid hands on those that had come forward, I being one of them. And y'all, I received an experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and it absolutely changed my life. How many hear what I just said? It absolutely changed my life. Let me talk a little bit about that era of time. I'm watching the clock closely today. I always have next Sunday. So um, let me just say that God began to visit the church. This is an unusual thing. God began to visit the church again at the beginning of the 20th century in Azusa Street in California. You can read about these things. They're well documented. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit came in vogue back in the church world back in uh, early 20th century, right around 1900, 1905, 1906, and it began to spread. The Pentecostal denominations started 1913, 1914. Then the ensuing years, the power of God began to be demonstrated, and there was a tremendous healing revival in America in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, or Roberts got his start. Isn't it unusual that right around that time, Israel became a nation again. 
How many heard what I just said? That turned into what we call the charismatic movement. The Greek word charismata is the word, uh, is the word for gifts. It's really where we get our word grace. And, uh, and it's the word for gifts. And it's talking about spiritual gifts that started once again to manifest in the church world. And from about the late 50s when I was born all the way through the 70s, 80s, up through part of the 90s, the charismatic movement happened all over the world. And, and I mean what happened during that movement was people by score got baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, from the denominational world, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Lutherans, uh, 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 Catholics. I mean, by score got baptized with the Holy Spirit. When I came and re when I received this experience in 1976, uh, we, I went to that, uh, the only, uh, there's a couple of charismatic churches in my town, but they had a Thursday night service. Listen to this. And that Thursday night service uh, had sometimes more attendance than Sunday morning. People from other churches would come to that Thursday night meeting. I mean, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Episcopal, Catholic. And they were coming because they were hungry for something they didn't have. And I remember time and time again, Thursday night services with a packed building People from all over our city would come to that place and they came in search of more of God. They were hungry for something they didn't have and it was the baptism with the Holy Spirit and it was the power of God to live life differently than they had been living. And I watched week after week after week after week as people got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, I, start, I went to Bible school. I changed vocations. I was going to be an electronics engineer and and, and God called me to preach six months after I received this experience. And there was a Bible college in the church. That's where I met Susan. But, I, uh, but my Bible school friends, many of us were on drugs. In fact, many times during our little prayer times in Bible school, my friends would say, raise their hands and say, I'm having some reactions from the drugs I took for years and years and years. Would you pray for me? Because Jesus had set them free from sin. They had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were hungry for God. Now God was just in the process of healing their bodies and restoring their minds. And it was a tremendous time. And the world went through that. Now here we are in the 21st century. And let me just tell you what's happened. The church has gotten away from the power of God. Y'all, in my prayer times, I cannot get away from this. Every seminar, can I just talk to you? Every seminar that I go to, they're telling me not to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. They're telling me not to talk about the power of God because you'll run people away. Well, I want you to know if the power of God will run you away, there's something wrong with what you have. And if churches did in the 70s when I was a young boy, what we're doing today, I would be in hell right now. Do you hear me? My best friend I grew up with, my mama knows him, killed himself suicide. I have friends that were imprisoned for, for doing drugs. One committed murder. I don't know if you know that. But I think, you know, you think, well, you're pastor of this church. No, I'm Mitch Horton, who came from this little place, who the power of God came upon, changed me. You know what? If the church was then what it is today, I want to ask you a question. 
Many of you in our congregation are, are baptized with the Holy Spirit. You pray in tongues. Do you practice that regularly? Do you practice the Spirit-filled life? Are you encouraging others to pursue God? Do you have a hunger and passion for Jesus that you had when you first started this journey with Jesus? It's time for the church to come back to our first love. And it starts by coming back to the power that can change and the power that can help us to be able to face the darkness and challenges of our age. How many hear what I'm saying? Y'all are mighty quiet. Are you hearing me? The baptism with the Holy Spirit is a tremendous experience. You hardly hear anything about it today. We are a spirit-filled church. How many knew that? And y'all have to know I'm a spirit-filled believer. And see, people take issues with these, with these terms and with the terminology, and they say everybody's spirit-filled. Everybody has the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Romans 8, 9. For by one Spirit, we're all immersed into one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus, John chapter 20, that morning, uh, resurrection morning, uh, he come out of that tomb. Uh, Susan and I are watching something on Netflix called, a is it A.D.? And it's, uh, it's uh, that uh, movie about Jesus. It's a whole series on the resurrection and the, uh, and the beginning of the church age. A wonderful series. But um, Jesus was resurrected that morning. The disciples did not know what to do. The Romans were coming after them because Jesus has been stolen from the grave. They're behind closed doors, shuddering, wondering what in the world to do. Jesus told them that he was going to be raised from the dead. They just didn't believe it completely. And while they're standing there and sitting there wondering what to do, Jesus visibly appears. The windows are shut, the doors are shut, just visibly appears out of thin air. And he said, peace be unto you. And the first thing he did to his disciples when he saw them that resurrection evening was he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that night those disciples were born again. Then Jesus talked to them for 40 days. He talked about the kingdom of God. He prepared them for his departure. Then 40 day, days later, he ascended. Jesus arose on Passover. It was a feast of the Jews. And then Jesus ascended the 40th day after he was raised from the dead. And just before he went, listen to what he said to his disciples. Luke said it this way, being assembled, uh, now, uh, now I send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. He said it this way in the book of Acts. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, being assembled together with them, this was the 40th day of Jesus' resurrection. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, John, truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days 
from now. So he told them to wait. And they wondered when the kingdom of God was coming. He talked about that for a few verses. And then Acts 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the age. He told them not to leave not to leave Jerusalem, wait for the power of God. They waited 10 days. During that 10 days, they, re- they replaced Judas, who uh, betrayed Jesus with Matthias. And then Acts chapter 2 was a feast day of the Jew- Jews, and it was actually a-, a feast celebrating the harvest season, the harvest of their crops. And isn't it uncanny that God chose a celebration of harvest festival to bring the Holy Spirit in power to his church. They received the indwelling of the Spirit uh, resurrection, that resurrection Sunday that evening when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power. So they waited for 10 days when the day of Pentecost, the Jewish feast day, had come. See, God, there's rhyme and reason to everything that God does. How many hear what I'm saying? He was preparing them to minister life to others. And he said, don't think you're going to be able to do anything in my stead, in my place, until you have the same power that I have on my life. Don't forget that Jesus was baptized by his first cousin, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. He was baptized in water and it just happened to be. The same time Jesus was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was the Son of God. Why did he need the Holy Spirit? Why did he need the baptism with the Holy Spirit? He needed the power. You say, didn't he have power? When Jesus came to earth, he laid aside his God power. And he lived as a human being. And was raised just like me and you. And had to mature just like me and you. He had to, he had to learn the scriptures just like me and you. He had to put his flesh under just like me and you. Jesus became a man. Jesus was the God-man. At 30 years of age, when Jesus began his ministry, the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized by his first cousin. And that he, he never performed one miracle until that time. Before then, he was just Jesus the carpenter's son. Jesus from Nazareth. Everybody knew his family. Everybody knew his friends. But he changed When the power of God came upon him, he gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. How many hear me? Jesus didn't minister in the power of the office of the Son of God. Jesus ministered in the power of the same Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. Yes or no? That's awesome. So in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. This was an unusual event. It was an event that began the power of God in the church age. Uh, Bible scholars say this was really the beginning of the church on the day of Pentecost. They were born again 
when that resurrection Sunday when Jesus appeared. But the church really started and really took off and was an element for the world to contend with after the baptism with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. If you go read that verbiage, I've got it in the notes. If you go read the verbiage here, Peter preached a tremendous sermon there on the day of Pentecost and 17 nations, people from 17 different nations in the Middle East were there in Jerusalem for that feast of Pentecost and every single one in it listened them in Acts chapter 2. Go read it. I'm running that close on time here. Go read it. But all 17 of those nations, when the believers got baptized with the Holy Spirit, they heard them talking about the wonderful things of God in their own languages. Now, Baptist people and others and Methodists and, you know, denominational people have taken that. And Bible, many Bible scholars have said, well, the baptism with the Holy Spirit was only for the first century church. And in Jerusalem, they spoke in those 17 languages because that's what they needed to minister to the different nationalities that were there. What they don't realize and what they don't bring out, and I'll bring it out next time we meet, is in Acts chapter 8. In Samaria, in Acts chapter 10, in a Gentile's house called Cornelius, 10 years after this experience, and then in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 19, 20 years after this experience, believers were still being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they were also praying in other tongues. Why? Because they needed the same power that those disciples received on the day of Pentecost because we have the same devil, we have the same challenges, we have the same problems, and we have the same Jesus. How many hear me? Today, here we are again, y'all. We need the power of God. And I feel, and I'm not the only one feeling this. I've talked to other ministers and pastors and they're feeling something they haven't felt in a long time. God is seeking to stir the church up again. He wants us to walk in the same power that the disciples walked in. The church has come full circle. The church started with tremendous persecution. We're going to leave with persecution that you've never seen in the United States of America. And my urging for all of us is get ready for the days ahead. We're in the lull. Everything seems fine. It's party time. Let's have a good time. This is preparation time for the days ahead. God wants to equip the church with his power. Before there's power, there has to be purity. There has to be hunger. There has to be a longing. And God wants to restore that. So I want to encourage you. If you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you speak with other tongues, get back after it again in your private life. I'm going to be talking about this in the next few Sundays. And I want to talk to you practically about the power of God, how it works in you, what the baptism with the, with the Holy Spirit will do and what it won't do. Listen, I've been in this for 42 years. I've had people that were in church with me and Bible school with me walked with God with me that fell away from God because they didn't do the things necessary to keep their relationship with Jesus strong. How many hear me? So the baptism with the Holy Spirit is not a cure-all if you're not willing to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How many hear me? This is a heart thing. God said through Jeremiah the prophet, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. But today we have so many distractions and so many things that are keeping us from the things of God. And God is asking us as he asked the church in Ephesus, come back to me. Come back to my first love. Come back from your lukewarmness. Seek me. 
Purify yourself and get ready because there's going to be a demonstration of the power of God that the world has never seen in the church age just before Jesus comes back. At the same time, all hell is going to break loose. I don't like to say these things. I don't hear anybody talking about it. At some point, suddenly, hell is going to break loose on earth, so to speak. And things will change and people will get desperate. At the same time, the power of God will be here. How many hear what I'm saying? Now, see, some people are hearing me. You're watching me online. And you're watching me several days from now. I say, listen to that preacher. You need to listen. You know what? We need the power that we've laid aside. God wants to inundate us with himself once again. He wants believers baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've got, I'll, follow, I'll finish this up next Sunday. I've got three supernatural things that happen when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's a supernatural boldness that comes on your life with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses for me. The day, September 13th, 1976 was a Monday. Listen to this, that Monday, I went to work. I smoked cigarettes for years I had thrown them out the car window and one little girl that I worked with, she was in my first grade class and she worked with me here after we're in school and college and all that and she, her name was Jane. She came by and said, Mitch, give me a cigarette. The moment she said that, for the first time in my life, I had been baptized with the Holy Spirit um, for a little over 12 hours and she asked me for a cigarette and when she said that, something inside me, I, wanted to, I, I started to say, well, I don't have any with me. And I tried to say it and I couldn't. And something inside me said, tell her you quit. Oh, I did. I said, well, I quit. She laughed. <laughs> then that something inside said, tell her Jesus. I'd never done that to anybody. And it wouldn't leave me alone. And I said, well, Jane, Jesus sent me. If she looked at me, what would you say? I said, Jesus set me free from smoking yesterday. And she didn't know what to say. Boldness. Ever since that experience, boldness came. How many know boldness comes? Boldness to share Jesus with others, with the baptism, with the Holy Spirit. How many know a supernatural understanding of the Bible comes with the baptism, with the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he understand them because they're spiritually understood. It takes the Holy Spirit to interpret the Bible. You don't understand the Bible with your natural mind. I read, my, I read the Bible for all of those years prior to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I understood some things, but many things were masked to me. I didn't understand them. The day I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, the next day again was September 13th. It was a Monday. I worked all day, got home that night late. My mother had supper waiting on me. I went to my bedroom after I ate my supper. And I laid on my bed and propped my head up with my hand. And I started reading the book of Matthew. I figured Old Testament, New Testament, new must be better than old. So I started with New Testament. And I read Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Matthew 3, Matthew 4. Matthew. When I got to Matthew 5, I am not kidding. I picked that Bible up and said, wait a minute. What is this? And it said, Holy Bible. It was King James at the time first. Red letter it is. That's okay. But, but something was different. For the first time, I understood personally what Jesus was saying to me. And it was as though he was talking to me. It was the Holy Spirit talking to me. 
He's the author of the book. He knows the intent of what he was saying. And he can reveal it to you. How many hear me? A supernatural boldness, a supernatural above the natural understanding of the word. And then thirdly, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes, an above the natural way to pray. A supernatural way to pray. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance there in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all my life, y'all, I cut my teeth, so to speak, on church pews. I've been, I remember wearing diapers to church. And y'all, I remember Sunday after Sunday after month after year, people praying in church, saying the same thing over and over. Sometimes we just, we know how to we just pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. How, Jesus never intended for you to repeat the Lord's Prayer. I think it's a fine prayer. He was giving you a model of how to pray. How many hear me? But I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. You know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. I didn't know how to pray. When I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit gives you a new way to pray, a new way to converse with God. Spirit to spirit. God is a spirit. We're made in His image. We're spirit beings made in the image of God. When a person prays in the spirit or in other tongues, it's their human spirit talking to God without their head being involved. It's spirit to spirit communion with God that literally bypasses the human mind. You hang out, I got some things to say. In the 42 years of my spirit-filled living, you, I, incredible things have happened because I've taken time every single day to pray in other tongues. I do that in my private life. I got up this morning and I spent two hours praying in the Spirit. Why do I do that? Because there's something that happens when you pray in the Spirit. Life begins to work out in an uncanny way when you pray in other tongues. If you don't have that and you're not accessible to that in your life, there's a dimension of life, of spiritual life that you're left out of and there's a part of it that you need to go through what we're going through in the days to come. How many hear me? Everybody stand up. Did you get something out of that?